0: You're listening to Grab Them By The Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. And we are back here at Grab Them By The Pod. Thank you once again, as always, for tuning in. I am Kevin, along with Jesse. And it's been a little while, so we've got quite a bit to talk to you about tonight. Jesse, what do you got for us? I want to start in kind of a sad note right before we started to
1: record uh, we got news that the matriarch of the Bush family Barbara Bush passed away at 92. Uh, there had been some discussion over the last couple of days that she wasn't going to seek any more care and just just kind of let it be and uh, today uh, it, it was so uh, uh, you know our th- I, I, as a podcast we, we don't have to say thoughts and prayers because so many people use that. Uh, When it really means nothing, but you know, I think our thoughts do go out to the Bush family. You know, politics aside, um, you know, it's it's this is life, and we're all part of it. Uh, And and you know, I really wanted to share a quote that I that I liked of hers uh, that she gave back in 1990. Said, at the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband. A friend, a child, or a parent, and I think uh, Barbara Bush lived up to, to what she was talking about right there. Spent a lot of time with her with her husband, and I think in her kids and her extended family. So, uh, I think it was a life well
0: well lived. Yeah, you know, as partisan as we may be at times in, in this present day, sometimes it's nice to reflect back, back on a time when things were a little bit simpler. And Barbara Bush and the Bush family, as we now, now see, embodies a much more moderated version. Uh, of Republican politics and, and certainly things that we can have in common as human beings. And and when one member of a family passes, it, it's, you know, it's sad uh, for that family. And in this case, uh, with Barbara Bush, she was like the mother and grandmother to America. And, and as many first ladies since Eleanor Roosevelt, who really took on kind of uh, firsthand roles within the White House, you know, she pushed for education education and, and reading. Uh, so how can you fault it for that? So, uh, you know, our condolences go out to the Bush family and, and we hope that they are able to uh, rest well, rest easy, knowing that uh, she has done so much and accomplished so much to make America a better place. Well said. And
1: uh, also before we came on today, uh, news came out through a through an interview with Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, uh, that he's not gonna allow a bill to come to the Senate floor that would protect Bob Mueller. Uh, He said, I'm the one who decides what we take to the floor. That's my responsibility as Majority Leader. We will not be having this on the floor of the Senate. So it, it's just weird how all these Republicans say, I don't think Trump is going to fire Mueller. I don't think it's necessary. Well, if it's not necessary, if you don't think it's going to happen, what's, what's the harm of doing it? Just pass it, and you know,
0: it's one less thing to worry about. Uh, this isn't going to end well, I don't think. <laughs> because Mitch McConnell, a.k.a. Deputy Dog, is the boss around here, <laughs> and he's not going to let this come to the floor. Uh, but again, it doesn't think that Mueller should be fired. So, exactly, where's the harm in preventing that, you know, with legislation?
1: I just don't know. One of the main things you want to talk about, Kevin. So, we've been, I think, off the air for about, what, a week and a half or so. Uh, you know, vacations were had. Roughly. And, and a lot happened while we were gone, as, as always seems to happen. Uh, on April 9th, the FBI raided the office of President Trump's personal lawyer. Michael Cohen. Uh, They raided his home. They raided his hotel. uh, They seized emails, tax documents, just a lot of stuff related to uh, the payment to Stormy Daniels. Ouch.
0: Yeah, um, this certainly, uh, when this news broke, it has all these things that keep coming out. You keep waiting for the other foot to drop, like, oh, it's going to happen. And yet we have not found out exactly what will happen of this, but certainly it can't be good FBI raids your lawyer's apartment or or hotel room.
1: I mean, Trump, Trump supporters think this is ridiculous. Uh, You know, it's all this happening over sleeping with a porn star. But it's more than just that. Uh, You know, it's a campaign finance issue because if you pay off someone to help somebody's campaign, uh, that gets considered to be an in-kind contribution to the Trump campaign. And, you know, that stuff's not reported. It's just not good. You can't do it. Uh, You know, it's one of those things that seems stupid, but it has ramifications that really could affect uh, Trump uh, and, and his presidency. Uh, you know, the, the federal prosecutors of Manhattan, uh, it's the Southern District of New York, are, are the ones who actually did this. Uh, they obtained the search warrant after receiving the referral from Bob Mueller. Uh, and, and let's just remember, uh, these rates had to be approved by Jeffrey Berman. He's the interim U.S. attorney, and he's pointed, appointed by President Trump. He's a Republican. They want to say there's this like vast Democrat liberal conspiracy, but so many of these people involved are Republicans.
0: Well, actually, Jesse, you mentioned Jeffrey Berman, who is a registered Republican and, according to the New York Times, donated $2,700 to the Trump campaign and served uh, at least in a part-time role as an advisor to the Trump transition team. Uh, Berman actually, due to possible conflict of interest, was uh, had to recuse himself and left this decision up to the deputy, his deputy, Robert S. Kazami, uh, who is in charge of this investigation now. And the New York Times says that this office has been historically known for its independence of the Justice Department, uh, according to former U.S. Attorney John S. Martin Jr., who has also been a federal judge. Now, this could be trouble for the president, as this office has been known to go after corruption on both sides of the aisle. So, very interesting scenario taking place here.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff just happening. I mean, there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening since we started this podcast. Um but you know, this process isn't just, you know, one person solution. Prosecutors have to consult with the criminal division of the Justice Department in Washington. They have to convince a US magistrate judge that there's probable cause to support the the search um other other these documents in here just it really could just come back in better I mean, yes looking for stuff that has to do with stormy but who the heck knows uh, what's in these communications between Cohen and Trump and and Cohen and some other folks it, it's It's kind of scary for them, I think, what might be happening next. You can see it in Trump's anger that he can handle a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, he fights back, but he really loses his mind when it comes to dealing with his business and and, and the things that he's done. Is that because he just takes it personally or is it because uh, there's some shady stuff he's going to be looking at? I, I really don't know the answer. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, I, it's and and one of the amazing things I think we see through this process is that the Justice Department just doesn't trust Cohn and his team. Um, he he doesn't. They don't want him to have first dibs. They, they want first dibs to look at what's there and, and make sure that you know nothing that uh, violates attorney-client privilege. Uh, but they don't trust them. I think they think they could destroy stuff if they find it. And uh, if if the people prosecuting you and the judge doesn't trust you like that. Well, you know, you're probably starting off at a bad
0: spot. Well, well, attorney client privilege, you know, that's important. According to Sean Hannity, all you got to do is slip the guy a $10 bill and say, hey, Expect attorney-client privilege on this.
1: <laughs> I mean, Trump's not much better. He, he's out tweeting that attorney-client privilege is dead. Um, you know, attorney-client privilege is a thing of the past. Uh, the funny thing that he tweeted out when going on this rant was he said, "No collusion or obstruction, other than I fought back." So now they do the unthinkable and raid a lawyer's office for information. Bad and and there's a few things to point out from especially that last tweet. Um, you know, first of all, telling your lawyer that you killed someone that's attorney-client privilege. If you have if you pay your lawyer to help move the body, that doesn't fall under attorney-client privilege. That makes the attorney you know also a criminal. And, and the second thing he said was. No collusion or obstruction other than I fight back. That implies that there was collusion or obstruction and that he considered it fighting back. So people were out saying – did he just admit to collusion and obstruction?
0: One might read into that, but uh, that was going too far. I don't know.
1: Now, there's a few things that Mother may have that could really bite Cohen on the butt. I mean, that's on top of the things that they haven't found yet. Uh, supposedly, some news came out last week uh, that Mother has evidence that Cohen was in Prague in the 2016 elections. And when he was there, he supposedly met with a prominent ally of Putin. Now, if this is true, and you know, we stress, we don't know whether it's true yet. It's only been reported from one source. Uh, it would seem to legitimize at least part of the Steele dossier, and, and we all know how much I a the But I thought that dossier. was fake news. Was, yeah, well, that's fake news. And if that's true, I mean, the the peepee stuff could be true. I mean, that's that's what we all want to hear about. I think the peepee tape. <laughs> um, <laughs> and James
0: Comey had some interesting things to say about some, some peepee <laughs> tapes. So,
1: yeah, you know, during the past, Cohen has stated uh, that he's never been to Prague, so he'll be in big trouble if. Uh, Uh, They actually do have proof that he was there. Uh, Cone called it bad reporting, bad information, bad story. uh, No matter how many times or ways they write it, I've never been to Prague. I was in L.A. with my son. Proven. uh, Something tells me I can't take Cone at his word, whether this is true or not.
0: Uh, No, and he kind of responds like the president does.
1: Angry in in broken English and uh, oftentimes making no sense, I think is – could be looked at. So, uh, you know, earlier this week we found out that Cohen uh, had a third, uh, a third client that was previously unnamed. Uh, we, we knew he had Trump as a client. We knew he had GOP donor Elliot Brady. I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, yell me if that's not true. Uh, and this week we found out. Guess what? It's Sean Hannity
0: is the third one. You can't make this stuff yes. up. <laughs> no. Of course, Hannity was quick to go on his show yesterday, his radio show and his television program to, you know, proclaim his innocence and that he has done nothing. He has has really had no dealings with Cohen, that it's all been quick uh, questions about real estate transactions. And that, you know, as I mentioned before, slipped him a $10 bill and said, hey, you know, how about some attorney-client privilege?
1: So why would Cohen say Hannity if he wasn't really a client? It, it, it makes no sense, especially in the situation that Cohen's in right now. And, oh, yeah. Under oath. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people on the right are going, well, you know, Hannity didn't do anything wrong. Well, he didn't do anything like illegal, but it's unethical to sit there and yell about people for going after Cohen without telling people, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm mad because he's my lawyer. Uh, I think that's something maybe you want to bring up. I'm just, just throwing that out there. Either way, Cohen's old tweet about Hillary, I think, is going to come back and bite him in the butt. He had uh, tweeted in the past, "Hillary Clinton, when you go to prison for defrauding America and perjury, your room and board will be free." Now it looks like it may be Cohen who is uh, getting that free room and board. Oh my! How the chickens have come home to roost. The chickens as a, that's kind of a, a Reverend Wright uh, quote
0: there. The chickens are coming home to roost. <laughs> that's a throw. That or. A <laughs> <laughs> or uh, a former professor of ours used to say that as well.
1: <laughs> uh, last week, we also got big news that Speaker of the House Paul Ryan is not is going to be retiring at the end of this Congress. So he'll be serving up until January. Uh, he'll have been Speaker for a little more than three years. Uh, he came out and said, "If I'm here for one more term, my kids will have only ever known me as a weekend dad. I just can't let that happen. So I will be setting up new priorities in my life." You know, I mean, I Kevin, I get it. I, I guess everybody would like to spend more time with their kids, but it also seems like he's uh, going to be leaving because the Republicans are projected to lose uh, a lot of seats and, you know, maybe the house itself and he's tired of dealing with Trump's, you know, crap. So, you know, yes, he may want to spend more time with his kids, but I think, you know, if, if, if things were, if Hillary Clinton was president right now and the GOP in the Congress was going strong and he could just rail against her, uh,
0: something tells me he would not be retiring. Yeah. You know, know the kids. Um, you know, I'm sure that's it. You know, I can empathize as an elected official with small children. You know, it, it takes a lot of my time. I, I'd like to be able to do more with them and, and see them more during the week. But let's be honest here. He's trying to get away from the disaster and the train wreck that the, the Trump presidency has turned into, uh, all the problems that's causing for him and the Republican Party in Congress. Um, you know, this is like LBJ not running for re-election in 1968 all over again. He, he's, he's tired. He's sped up. He doesn't want to deal with it anymore. So So he's cutting his losses while he can and getting out of Dodge. So you're saying if if Ryan was uh, nominated, he
1: would not accept, and if he was elected, he would not serve? Or whatever it was, LBJ said? Uh, there's, there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of pressure from within the GOP on this one too. Uh, they really wanted to step down as speaker. I guess they want to, you know, help uh, help get uh, un- the party unified. Uh, but Ryan isn't hearing it. He's just going to stay out on this role. I mean, I, honestly, I for one won't be upset if uh, if this causes the GOP to not unify and there are problems heading into the election. Um, that, that would be just fine with me. How about you, Kevin?
0: Yeah, there's no love lost between Paul Ryan and myself. Certainly, you know, after he towed to the president and, and failed to have a spine and, and stand up to him, so uh, I won't be sad to see him go, to say the least. I mean, I, I'll admit, I mean, back in the day,
1: I mean, I, I'm not gonna say I liked him, but I, you know, I liked him as like a general politician. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have any ill will against him. I, I thought maybe he was you know, more sane, and maybe uh, had some good ideas. But man, that that yeah, as you said. He, he had no spine when it came to Trump. Um, he acted like a complete—I don't even—I don't even want to say the words when it came to Nunes and he refused to just put him in line as the leader of them, that the, the party in the House. He should have been able to do. Um, you know, I, I guess Ryan can just retire happy, knowing that he passed his GOP tax plan, even though it was a crappy bill. He did what he wanted. He can—he can, you know, sit there in Wisconsin. Drinking, I don't know, whatever, the, you know, eating cheese, I guess, and drinking beer and just smiling off in the distance that he got his signature piece of legislation passed, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see what that legacy looks like <laughs> yeah. down the
1: road. Uh, so now we have House Major- Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy and uh, House Majority Whip Steve Scalise, who, you know, he w- was shot a couple of months ago um, while playing softball. Um, they're going to be the ones vying for the GOP leadership role uh, whether that's Speaker, whether that's a House Minority Leader. You know, we'll, we'll find that out uh, come November. Uh, but I'm interested to see how how contentious that fight gets, whether someone steps aside or whether they just really go at it, which, again, uh, would not do any favors to unifying the party.
0: Yeah, well, I think McCarthy was fairly close to being uh, nominated for Speaker back when Paul Ryan got the job. And then Scalia, with uh, his backstory of having been shot by a crazed liberal radical. Uh, what that add to the story as well? I don't know. It remains to be seen, but it it should be interesting to see what happens come November. And this whole thing is crazy when it comes to who wants to be Speaker because
1: Paul Ryan never wanted to be Speaker. They, They talked him into it, and then it just ended very badly for him. So you know, maybe we'll see him again. I mean, I don't know. There's no term limits in Wisconsin for governor. Uh, so you know, who knows uh, you know if that's probably opening up anytime soon for him, but who knows maybe he'll make a comeback. you know I, I for one say you know i enjoy re- enjoy retirement or, or go work at some Wisconsin firm and make lots of money, whatever. So. Sunday night, uh, former FBI director James Comey's interview with George Stephanopoulos finally aired on 2020. And you know, watching this, I think Comey is all in. Uh, he came out swinging. He was talking about Trump's appearance and, and stating that he doesn't think Trump is morally fit to serve in the Oval Office.
0: Did you get a chance to watch the interview, Kevin? I did. Uh, you know, I was I was captivated, as I'm sure many Americans were, and watching this Sunday evening. Um, You know, I think one of the things uh, that I took away from this was that James Comey is a flawed individual himself. You know, he's he's got his his issues as well, but he certainly came across to me as more morally fit and of sound judgment than the president. So if, if I'm going to pick someone I will believe in this situation, I'd have to say it sides with Comey. Let's just look at some of the things that he said, and I'm going to be editing uh,
1: some of these quotes just for the sake of brevity, so don't come back at me and say I'm misquoting him. I'm just you know, just trying to shorten them for your sake. Uh, he said, uh, I don't buy this stuff about him being mentally incompetent or early stages of dementia. I don't think he's medically unfit to be president. I think he's morally unfit to be president. A person who sees – So mor- crazy
0: like a fox, not he, just crazy?
1: Or just crazy like a jerk. It's, it makes no sense in the, with the saying, but I don't that's what he's saying. Uh, you know, that A person who sees moral equivalence in Charlottesville, who talks about and treats women like they're pieces of meat, who lies constantly about big and small matters and insists the American people believe it, that person is not fit to be president of the United States on moral grounds. And you, you would think, Kevin, that's something that we could all agree with. But there's a, a contingent of this of this country who uh, you know, think that's insane and fake news. Mm.
0: Sad but true. Sad but and true. yet that's where we are. So you know, th- this is why we fight. This is why we produce this podcast. You know, we want to stand up to uh, the the untruth. And you know, I think one of the things we do with this podcast
1: is we don't. I honestly, if you think if you belong to the uh, Thinking of the other side, you may just want to just not listen to us. You know, we're we're not for you. But I think you have to listen to us. To, you know, we're not yelling you and saying you're stupid. Well, I mean, if you're a member of Congress in this thing, maybe we're doing that. But if you're a listener, we're not saying that. We're trying to to bring you over to our side with with the facts, and uh, you know, that's what we bring here. And you know, another fact is that Comey said it's certainly some evidence of obstruction of justice. It would depend on other things that reflected uh, on his intent. So he's saying that. You know, obstructive justice is a very real possibility. You know, he's, he's being smart and not saying, yes, there is, because you know, who knows at this point. But the fact that it could be a possibility, that's, that's scary when it comes to a president. We, you know, we're too young to have gone through these kind of things when Nixon was president. So for our generation and the younger generations, this is something that's brand new and something that you think about as being something in the history books, not something that we live through. I don't know.
0: and last, history repeats itself so we are living through it yet again it does let's hope to not make some of the same mistakes right you'd think
1: but you have know, to say you know history is doomed to repeat itself like you said and and um you know what was what did they say about, about the holocaust you know those who don't learn from history you know yada 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 so
0: damn to repeat it so yeah. about that p tape Jess <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I, I like how Trump's reasoning for not having a pee tape is that he's a germaphobe, and he told Comey there's no way i let people pee on each other around me. Can you imagine you're sitting with the president?
0: Urine, isn't urine sterile? What's he got to be afraid of?
1: Yeah, can't you can you drink it if you need to. No, Could you imagine the FBI director? You're sitting with a president, and he's talking about people peeing around him and it not being true. Like, Good God. Is this the real world? Is this real life? I don't know. Um, and you know, finally, uh, it, one of the you know, there are many more quotes on this, but uh, on whether Russians have been uh, co- have compromising material on Trump, Comey said, I think it's possible. I don't know. There are more words. <laughs> These are words that I thought never thought I'd be uttering about a president of the United States, but it's possible. So yeah, Comey is even speechless to a certain degree about the P tape and and having the Russians having stuff on him. I mean. It's been what two years since Trump is really uh, since it's become a real thing that he that he could be president, and I'm I'm still uh, speechless at some of these things. And you, you think we'd be ready, used to it by now, but we're, we're not. <laughs> it's it's
0: it's driving us crazy every week, uh, week in and week out. Well, I think one one of the probably the most uh, the lowest point or the most unbecoming point of the entire interview is the fact that James Comey said the word p tape. He said pee. <laughs> p. P. I mean, that's not like something
1: that we would say on our show because we you know it makes us laugh but not the former director of the FBI so uh, one of the biggest things coming out of this that I, that I've seen uh, people upset with Comey they think that he he may have gone too far you know he talked about the appearance he made fun of Trump's hair and his orange face and in having the uh, the white circles under his eyes the half moons I think he calls them uh, I, I think people look at him as being sanctimonious and that he can't admit any of his mistakes like You know, he probably shouldn't have released that memo about Hillary's email right before the election. Uh, I I mean, personally, I understand why he did it. I don't agree with the decision, but I understand why he did it. But he doesn't seem to take any responsibility for how that may have screwed things up. Uh, And I think that turned some
0: people off to him uh, during this interview. Well, he he seemed to keep hiding behind the the idea that, you know, it had to be – done because he didn't want Hillary Clinton to get elected and then have her legitimacy be questioned if information came out later. So, you know, in his moral belief, in his belief in this country that in the democratic process that he had to do this and that really, you know, it wasn't his fault. And he likes to hope that it didn't have any impact on the election. Well, I think the truth of the matter is that we can all probably agree that it did. So it would behoove him to take some responsibility in this case.
1: You know I mean I've forgiven him to a certain degree because I don't think he did it with any malice I don't I, I think he is to a certain degree the Boy Scout and he went overboard in in, in his boy scoutedness if that's an actual term uh, and I think it's obvious why he's acting the way he is right now why uh, you know he has this kind of attitude towards Trump uh, Comey feels that he was wronged and you know, he deserves to fight back and, and see if the president can can get as good as he gives. Um, you know, still, I, I was watching a show. It's actually one of my favorites. It's on CBS. All Access, called uh, The Good Fight, spinoff of The Good Wife. And just in this last episode, one of the characters was talking to a DNC operative and started screaming, you know, I'm so tired uh, of going taking the high road. It should be, you know, when when they go low, we go lower, not when they go low, we go high. Um, and I, I kind of think that's the road that, that Comey is taking right now because taking the high road, unfortunately, hasn't been working and it's been hurting the Democrats. I think it's when
0: you... Uh, when you go down to their level that's when you, you know, see some advancement well unfortunately as the republicans have proven over time in different elections that while taking the, uh, the you know the high ground going high may give you the moral high ground it doesn't necessarily win elections mm-hmm. so oh, democrats you know have a bit of a crisis of conscience here of you know yes we want to be the ones that have the moral high ground that aren't you know so low as to to take these pot shots, but we also need to, to get People elected. So, is there a middle ground somewhere?
1: You know, the person who wins a moral victory is doing right now. I don't know. They're not serving in Congress. They're not serving in the White House because they lost the real, the real battle. Uh, so, you know, to nobody's surprise, Trump absolutely lost his friggin' mind last week. Um, Just a couple of tweets. And James James Comey is a proven liar and leaker. Virtually everyone in Washington thought he should be fired for his terrible job – for the terrible job he did until he was, in fact, fired. He leaked classified information for which he should be prosecuted. He lied to Congress under oath. He is a weak and untruthful slimeball who was – as time has proven, a terrible director of the FBI, his handling of the Crooked Hillary case and the events surrounding it will go down as one of the worst botched jobs in history. It was my great honor to fire James Comey. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and this substitutes for real news or real presidential communication. I mean, a fireside chat, that is not
1: no uh how how far the office has fallen uh he also tweeted out you know the big questions in comey's badly reviewed book which I, I don't know if that's the case um aren't answered like how come he gave classified information jail why did he lie to congress jail why did he take why did the dnc refuse to give the server to the fbi why didn't he they take it uh why the phony memos mccabe seven hundred thousand dollars and more i never asked comey for personal loyalty i hardly knew the guy how come everybody that gets in trouble har- trump Hardly knows, you know, uh, he was wasn't it wasn't he saying good things about when this is back when Comey was trying to hide and blend into the to the drapes and he was talking about what a great guy Comey was. And now he hardly knows him. I don't get it.
0: I believe he referred to himself in the interview as a giraffe on the other side <laughs> of the room. He, he's a very tall individual. Uh, I I would recommend
1: that uh, you guys go check out a recent video by uh, Jimmy Kimmel because here he calls uh, Comey the worst FBI director in history and Kimmel just points out uh, how many tweets where Trump is called something the worst you know blank in history it, it's his go-to phrase and can't be taken seriously Trump by the way Trump's tweets are just part of this GOP plan to just Comey. Uh, you know, they're trying to get all the Republicans, social media and more, to universally brand Comey as Lion Comey. They even have a website, lyoncomey.com. Don't go there, by the way. Um, the RNC Twitter account tweeted out. Uh, I mean, this, that's, that's ridiculous. The dude's out of office, and they're spending all this time and, and money trying to discredit him because he knows what he has to say could really hurt the president Uh Maybe you should be focused on the truth and and focus on November, actually,
0: uh, RNC. uh, You've got some big things coming down the road. Yeah, well, Lyon Comey, you know, real professional. But, you know, the Republicans are just trying to point out that this man is out there on TV because he's trying to publicize his new book. I mean, Rolling Stone magazine called the interview an infomercial for his book. So, you know, perhaps there are some out there that do believe that that's all it is. But, you know, it would seem to reason... That, regardless of the fact that Comey was fired, and may have an axe to grind. That some of this stuff has got to be true.
1: Yeah, and he's not a fiction writer, um, and I'm sure he can twist some things to make himself look positive. But I mean, anything he's said so far. I don't know about you, Kevin. It doesn't sound like something that's out of the realm of possibility when it comes to Trump. It actually sounds like things that Trump would say. We've seen him tweet. We've seen him give crazy interviews, uh, and these uh, statements and these stories that Comey's telling are out of line with any of that. Not at all. And I love how the the, the GOP now suddenly uh, you know agrees with Hillary Clinton and Chuck Schumer and others. Uh, you know they hate these guys and they try to discredit them at every turn. But now they're trying to use their quotes against Comey from right before the election and right after the election and say you know Schumer agrees with us, Hillary Clinton agrees with us, uh, Harry Reid agrees with all these people. Say, that's fine. that's what. Sarah Ockby Sanders was saying, by that was my bad impression of her. It, it seems when, when you hate them in one breath, and then suddenly you agree with them the next, maybe you can't trust what those people are saying.
0: Not a lot to be trusted coming out of The white house
1: no no so you know according to cn you know the arguments that uh they're gonna be pushing with this whole lying comey stuff is comey has a long history of misstatements and misconduct attempts to smear the trump administration are nothing more than retaliation by a disgraced former official and comey is incredible just ask the democrats uh when you have to write out what what the game plan is in my view at least it's likely because uh it's not real so you have to keep reminding people exactly what they should be saying so, you know, it's time to this, Kevin. This is what it's come to in America. You don't like someone what they're saying?
0: Destroy them. You know, don't just let it go. Yeah, the president's modus operandi. Ah,
1: yeah. oh, boy. So, you know, we last Friday we were actually at a uh, Democrat event, a uh, fundraiser dinner. And we were sitting around wondering, is this going to be the night when Trump fires Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein watching our phone? But no, he still has a job. But what happened on Friday was uh, Trump attacked Syria. Uh, He ordered precision strikes against Syria in retaliation for the chemical weapons attack uh, by the forces of Syrian leader Bashar Assad uh france and the united kingdom had joined forces in the strike as well and it's interesting just a few days earlier trump had announced that he wanted to withdraw roughly 2,000 american troops from from syria and uh you know now we're i would say we're at war with them but there's something going on
0: well these strikes were supported by countries such as germany canada israel and turkey as well as nato but they were cautioned by the united nations and and condemned by Russia and Iran, and even China is concerned because the UN Security Council was bypassed in the process. So while there are a lot of people out there in the world supporting this, there's also some criticism and some concern for what's been done. And, and do you agree that you – know, a lot of
1: people in Congress are kind of pissed that he didn't come to them first – for their authorization it's always very difficult you know you know what is war and what isn't war what what can the president do what does he have to go through congress to do i mean this is one of those things i think it seems like the president for what he did doesn't necessarily have to go to congress but he probably should have Uh, and that's what
0: obama did and they didn't let him do this right according to connor friedersdorf at the atlantic 88 members of congress including 73 democrats and 15 republicans Send off on a letter reminding the president of the constitutional authority of Congress to authorize military war, war action. So, you know, yes, as you said, the president has the ability to send troops anywhere in the world up to 90 days. Congress has the ultimate authority on whether or not we declare war. So Trump needs to tread carefully here uh, and certainly to consult with Congress, if not ask Congress uh, for the Congress authorization uh, in this case of striking against Syria. It's not a good look when the president goes it alone. and. And we know that they sure as heck let President Obama know that every time he intended to use military force in the world.
1: So you know, there's been a lot of people just saying you know, we sh- we should be helping out Syria. There are a lot of people saying we should be staying out of it. It's not our business. You know, Trump has been pushing America first. So you know, I, I have a mini—I don't want to call it a rant—just a mini thing I, I like to say here, Kevin, if you if you would indulge me—that you know, I of have course. a very I have a very difficult time coming down on this issue and just you know figuring out what I. What I decide, Um, I'm probably a little more hawkish than some of our listeners uh, or or some of the people in the party. Uh, You know, honestly, I think some people may call me a chicken hawk or a liberal hawk because you know I've I've never served a day in my life and I likely never will. Um, But you know, I'm not going to be the guy going to war, um, and, and I know that. Um, it, it's a weird decision to send people to war uh, when you're not the one gonna, that's going to be, you know, risking your life. Uh, but I'll see what's happening in places like Syria and think, you know, how can we not go? Um, it, it's part of you what know, I, I think a lot of us. Think of as American exceptionalism, you know that we fight for freedom wherever it's needed. Uh, and I know that's kind of like a child's view of how this stuff works, and it's it's much uh, more complex than that. But I think, and a lot of Americans feel that, you know, that we we fight for what's right. You know, we're like GI Joe. Um, you know, so the question is, you know, when do we intervene? You know, when when do we put people in harm's way to save the life of innocence in another country? Um, when do we just stay out of it? Um, I don't know the answer to that, Kevin. And I figured, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's a it's a tough question, I think, with a tough answer.
0: You're right. This is a, a question that does not have a, a simple or easy answer. But to your point about American exceptionalism, Jess, America is only as exceptional as its ideals and its democratic beliefs being held up. And on a daily basis in our own country, we see our democratic ideals being chipped away at by the current presidential administration and by uh, a populist that is accepting that of happening, okay, and is allowing for you know democratic ideals to be uh, kind of swept away with with the lack of truth and knowledge and, and facts. So you know, while traditionally, historically, the United States fights for freedom in other parts of the world and and tries to help those who are you know being gassed or bombed by their own government, uh, genocides that have taken place, uh, dictators that are, are cruelly punishing their own people for no good reason. The idea of putting American life in harm's way to to fight against that, you know, that's always a tough call. I'm not so sure, and I certainly don't want to see it happen alone. We don't want to go it alone. I don't want to, to take a page out of George Bush's playbook and say, you know what? you know, damn it, if, if nobody else, is going to do it. We're going to do it alone. This needs to be uh, a collective effort, and the – I suppose the lining in this is that we were not alone. Uh, Britain and France also were part of this, uh, uh, this strike, so – and that other countries in the world have supported our decision. But to me, it does seem a little suspicious of the timing.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's hard to have a complete conspiracy theory when you have these other countries doing it with us. But was this, was this tactical – was this strategic or was this political to you know, to get good press for Trump to get the Comey stuff out of out of the front page? I, mean, I, I really just don't know. Uh, and again, it's sad that we have co- we've come to a point where these are the questions we have to ask. And again, this is Trump. And when it comes to Trump, there's always a tweet for it. So if you look back to 2013, he was out tweeting, don't attack Syria, an attack that will bring nothing but trouble for the U.S. The president must get congressional approval before attacking Syria. Big mistake if he does not. You don't say. (laughs) But you know, it, it only it only applies when he's not president. Now that he's president, uh, you know, just forget all that stuff. Uh, and also, news came out today from Israeli intelligence officials uh, that they've concluded that the missile strikes were failures. So I don't know where this leaves us, where it leaves Assad, where we go from here. I'm sure he's going to keep killing his own people, unfortunately. Um, and what do you think Trump will do? I mean, are we going to keep shooting missiles? I can't see him committing to ground troops, but who the hell knows? You never can tell with him. No, that's unfortunate, and that's what's so dangerous. Is you know whatever he's told at the last minute, maybe that's what he's going to go with. Uh, and with John Bolton around, we we've talked about in the past how he's a warmonger monger, and uh, God, he, he's as hawkish as it comes. So uh, he he did promise Trump that he wasn't going to start any wars, but uh, who knows if he'll hold him to that. And, and the weirdest part of the story is at the end. Where uh, Trump tweeted out, um, the Syrian raid was so perfectly carried out with such precision that the only way the fake news media could demean it was uh, my use of the term mission accomplished. I knew they would seize on this but felt it was a great military term. It should be brought back.
0: Use often. Visions of W. standing on the deck of the USS Lincoln in 2003 danced through my head. Yeah, I mean that was not a good look for Bush. It's one of the things that will stand with him.
1: Uh, when it comes to his presidency and and mistakes he may have made, flying into the aircraft carrier when the war still had lots and lots and lots to go, like I, I don't know why this is a, a hill that Trump wants to die on. Like why why is he fighting for the use of mission accomplished he was off, often? It's just so stupid. It's just stupid. All right. And I
0: suppose we should take it easy on W tonight. His mother did just pass away. So. Yeah,
1: and when you know I was just talking about the past. I wasn't yelling. at Yeah, I'm sorry. If that's bad form.
0: <laughs> I wasn't doing it on purpose. So
1: the last thing I want to talk about, a few weeks ago on FedBizOps.gov there was a posting by the Department of Homeland Security for media monitoring services. But if you actually looked into the plan, it's a plan to gather and monitor information on the public activities of media professionals and influencers. Uh, The DHS is seeking to track more than 290,000 global news sources uh, in 100 languages, including Arabic, Chinese, Russian. You know, instantly translate them. I don't know about you Kevin but that I, it seems a little unsettling to me.
0: This is scary stuff man. This is 1984 totalitarianism
1: 101. You know, first they come for the press, then then no one knows. I mean, talk about fake news, there'll be no news. It says in here that the successful contracting company will have 24-7 access to a password-protected media influencer database, including journalists, editors, correspondents, social media influencers, bloggers, etc., in order to identify any and all media coverage related to the Department of Homeland Security or a particular event. And the main thing that stuck out in my mind, Kevin, is where are we gonna fall on the list? You know, what number are we? Like nine thousand? Are we? Are we two hundred
0: ninety thousand? Do we even make the list? Well, make, making the list, I would take as a compliment. But uh, geez, I, I don't know that I want to be on it for crying out loud. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I'd
1: both be upset and and pissed off. But uh, you know, one, one of the upset would be for being on it. The pissed off would be for being left off of it. So I don't, I don't know what to, what to think. But you know, the, the scope of this, of this job is so broad. I think it's freaking out a lot of journalists. It's going to turn out that if you're an, an quote-unquote enemy of the White House uh, and you're part of the fake news media, quote-unquote, that they're going to start tracking you and, and writing things down. I mean who the hell knows? Uh, it, it's, it's these baby steps that we just let go that suddenly screw us in the end, and uh, it, it just doesn't seem necessary. And, and if you look at the scope of things, it doesn't look like they're trying to stop like Russia from coming in with fake news. It
0: looks like they're trying to stop uh, Americans from actually reporting real news that the president doesn't like. Again, as it's been all along, they're not interesting interested in stopping what's being leaked. They're interested in stopping the leakers.
1: No, uh, no pun intended when referring to the PP tape either. But <laughs> all right,
0: Kevin. What do we have for Kevin's Corner this week? Well, Jesse, in his interview with ABC News, George Stephanopoulos, former FBI director James Comey, pronounced Donald Trump as morally unfit to serve as president of the United States. Comey said that. Our president must embody respect and adhere to the values that are at the core of this country, the most important being truth. We should all be able to recognize, as James Comey has, that this president is not able to do that. Regardless of our political affiliation, it is critically important for us to acknowledge the necessity of honest, open and truthful government. We must not accept from our president or any of our elected officials anything less than honesty and truth. Facts are essential and they matter now more than ever. Power resides in the hands of the citizens of a republic so long as those elected to represent the people truthfully uphold the law and respect the values of our democracy. It is our responsibility to hold accountable those in trust with the keys to our great government to do otherwise would allow this new model of a presidency to become normal. This is not normal.
1: It is not. Uh, and we have to fight and do this podcast every week or, or in some cases every other week to make sure that it does not become normal. Um, it's, it's one of the things we talked about, I think, the political article. Why do we repeat the same same things over and over and over again to make sure that this doesn't become the new normal? Uh, I think the second that we accept it as just being, being Trump is the second that we lose this battle. And I don't know about you. I'm not ready to lose this battle quite yet.
0: No, and Jess, you made such a great point. Uh, tonight about it's these little things, these little steps that the president's administration might take that chip away at our core democratic values, little by little, that we don't pay attention to, that we just accept and we let it wash over us because it's small. It's those little things that will eventually add up to take our rights away. And that's what I am not. And I know you are not willing to accept. And that is why we produce this podcast. That's why we do keep on top of what's going on. And we try to hold accountable our elected officials most notably the president
1: so uh, just an fyi if you stop hearing from us at one point it's because the homeland security threw us in the clink you know threw us in gitmo uh for saying bad things about the president
0: <laughs> i have always wanted to go to cuba
1: yeah hey my parents were just there said it was beautiful so we'll see <laughs> all righty uh well i think that we've said a lot tonight Um uh, There's going to be, I'm sure, plenty more to talk about next week. So remember to go to our website at grabbingbythepod.com for lots of great stuff. And uh, until next time, Kevin, it's been fun.
0: Later.